Thank you for listening to the Streams Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community that strives to know Jesus and make Him known. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a great rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. I, uh, I'm excited to know what a dragon thing is. What did you call it? A dragon puppet? A dragon puppet. Okay. Uh, can you guys hear me? Am I on here? Okay, good. Good. Welcome. I'm Pastor Sean. Um, we are continuing. It's not necessarily a series, but it really is a call to action, and it's called Beyond Sunday. And the idea behind this is this is really who we are as this church of streams, that we want to live our faith in Christ, not just in a service time on Sunday, but really living it beyond Sunday. So the mission of our church is really to connect with Jesus. Jesus is really where it all starts. Also to connect with others and to live our faith beyond Sunday. So we are continuing in that vein. Susie did a great job. Who enjoyed Susie last week? Talking about kids. I love uh, all of her ideas. Um, She is amazing to have on the team. I know it's just going to be temporary, but it's awesome. Uh, She definitely loves your kids. So today we're going to be talking about parenting and family and what it looks like for us to, as a church, be intentional on loving the youth and the kids of this church. So let's go ahead and pray, shall we? Um, Lord, thank you for gathering us all here today. Um, God, I just pray that you would open up our hearts um, to hear your word. Let it speak to us in a wonderful, wonderful way today. And um, Lord, for those who maybe have a difficult time or who are carrying regrets or um, it brings up challenges within their own parents, Lord, I just pray that your grace would be here to meet them um, in this place as well. Lord, thank you for the responsibility that you've given us, the ability and the opportunity to invite others to a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I feel as if we hear the great commandment, like the great, you know, what Jesus says, go and make disciples, and then we're hit with the reality of the American culture. Oh, I have bills to pay. I have a job to do. I have laundry to wash. I have all of these things that are going on. And you want to raise disciples, but like, what does that actually look like? What does that play out? And I think one of the easiest ways that living and discipling others is really in the context of who we live with and who we do life with. And that's why I love, like, I feel like it's a great responsibility, like Tony was saying, I just have a certain amount of time with my kids. And so, like, I see my family as the best, easiest people to disciple. Like, I want to teach them things. That's why I love, I see the church with the Bassets. They're welcoming people in. Hey, you can rent a room. And it's wonderful. It's encouraging. Susie had that opportunity as well. And she got to see what marriage looks like. She got to see up front what parenting looks like. And that's why I feel like, man, this is such a great opportunity to disciple and starting with our circle and our sphere. Um, T.D. Jakes had a really cool um, thought that he shared in an interview And the reason we're talking about this is because 65% of Christian parents polled expressed a feeling of inadequacy in teaching their children biblical principles. And I think that that's because our culture is real. And T.D. Jakes was saying, he says, it's like we have all these plates we're spinning. 
We're spinning a plate with all the work stuff that we're carrying. We're carrying all the stuff with maintaining our marriages and our families and our household stuff and relationships. And all these plates we're trying to spin at the same time. And I loved how he phrased it. He says it's impossible to sometimes let plates fall. But he says the key is not to have the same plate fall twice. Not to always keep the work plate spinning and being like, oh, I'll let the kids down. I keep letting the kids down, or I let my marriage down. And so, yes, there will be plates that fall, but make sure we don't let the same plates fall at the same time. And so today, we are going to seek God's word for some instruction about what parenting looks like. Um, And I'm going to share my top seven parenting tips, if you will. I didn't invent these, but I use some of these, and hopefully you can gain some wisdom from that. So that's kind of what today is going to look like, and then we'll just have a time of prayer at the end. So let's start with Deuteronomy. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Deuteronomy. Chapter 6 is where we'll be at. So here's the picture. This is Moses, and he's leading the people out of Egypt into freedom, and this is some of the very first instructions that he kind of gives to the people at whole. We'll start At verse 2, it says, And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all of his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Who wants to enjoy a long life? Three people. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. (laughs) Listen closely, Israel. Be careful to obey, and then all things will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey. Just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly. I love that word, wholeheartedly, because I want my kids not to just have a change in behavior. Like, I don't want their actions to change, but I want something to change inside, in their heart, so that that will be expressed in their behavior. So he says, commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So he's saying that parenting and following God is living truly beyond Sunday. That there is opportunities that you can impart God's wisdom and truth all the way through your life. When you're going to Costco, when you're filling up your gas, when you're late for an appointment, when you're in the school office, wherever it is, This is opportunities for us to engage in life lessons along the way. And so as they pop up, we need to take advantage of them. So I know my kids really love to take advantage of my life lessons right before bedtime. So the pastor, Sean, kicks in, and they know if they can get me talking that they can really elongate Bible time, and their bedtime will be extended. But that's just my problem. Um, This was one interesting thing that happened actually last Sunday. So it's the weekend, and my wife, um, we're driving home. I'm excited to watch the football game and everything, and she really loves the fountain drinks at certain restaurants. And so she's like, I'm going to go to In-N-Out to get a fountain drink. And guys, I won, because immediately I had a thought about that statement, and yet my mouth remained closed. (laughs) 
It was very, I was, I was like, yes, that's a win. Who wants to drive through the in and out line on the weekend to get a fountain drink? My wife does, and we did. So here's what happens. We're on Dysart, and she takes the background. There's a, there's a Taco Bell here, and so the, the line just goes straight in. Well, there was a person that came off of Dysart, maybe on the freeway, and he thought it was his opportunity that he had the right of way to merge into that line. But my wife didn't really see him or whatever, and so she went there, and he had some thoughts and opinions that he actually expressed like I didn't. <laughs> and... Uh, that expression was really seen by my children, and, oh, Mom, he just flipped you off. Oh, my gosh, I can't even believe it. And so as the lines merge, there's two lanes that, that form, and my kids were just like, what is Mom going to do? Like, this is the life lesson. And so she rolled the window, and the guy sees her roll down the window, and he starts, and right before he could say anything, she, in her sweetest voice, I am so, so sorry. I can't believe that happened. I would have totally let you in. I am so sorry. It just went, I went here like this. I didn't see you or whatever. And his demeanor just totally shifted. And he was like, oh, sorry, it's okay. It's, always, it's okay. It was, <laughs> it's like he lost his words, right? And then what was funny is like the, the lines then merged again, and he had a bit of an advantage, and he's like, it's okay. You just go on it. Go on it. <laughs> And my kids are like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, guys, there's a verse in the Bible like this, and I found it for you guys. Proverbs, it says, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. So I said, Miles, when you're getting your temper and when you're all fired up or when somebody's really angry at you, what if mom would have said, I can't believe you did that. My kids saw you act that way. You should be ashamed of yourself, da-da-da-da-da. Like that would have stirred up this strife. And so it was so fun. My wife's like, should we buy his meal for, for him? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we should do it. I'm like, mom, you just bought a Coke. But anyways, we bought his meal. And so like, what a great opportunity for a life lesson. Like that is so much more impactful than me sitting him down for 10 messages. But that one memory of driving through in and out, let the record reflect. It was worth it, okay? I give in. It was worth it. So... Um, as we talk about this, you might be saying like, you know what, Pastor Sean, I'm single, or my kids are grown, I'm not in that parenting stage. Well, this is truly for you as well, because we all carry the responsibility of shepherding people that are not quite in their faith journey as far as we are. And so we have a responsibility, or we are engaged and invited to shepherd somebody who's younger than us in the faith, whether that's age or not. I remember this one, I'm going to brag about her. Her name is Megan. This is a picture of her, uh, of her. but she was the kids' babysitter. And we invited her. She was a youth gal, and so she came over a couple times, and God really dropped it in her heart that she was supposed to treat our kids as if she, they were blood family. And after a while, I mean, she would begin to buy birthday gifts for our kids, and Christmas gifts for a kid. She took a trip to, to a, a foreign country for a mission trip, and she brought him back candy. She went to Disney World, and she brought him stuff. And I'm like, this is expensive stuff. And she shared what God put in her heart. And little did she know what that meant to us. Because Susie and I, we, we sometimes have challenges and distance is, a, is an issue um, with our siblings. And so I had a great experience with my aunts and uncles. But there'd be many times that 
Christmas would come or go or birthdays would come or go and they wouldn't get a card or a call or anything and it's just like, man, I wish we had family. But Megan stepped in that hole and became family for my kids. There was another gal, Deb. She uh, worked with me at uh, CPC and we were just in the thick of parenting. Who's in the thick of parenting where you're just like so much energy to deal with your kids? Like, I'll tell you what, just keep going. <laughs> keep doing what you know to work because that, that will pay off. Like, don't let their tantrums win. Like, be strong, be firm, because we were right in that thick area. And Deb said, hey, look, what if I come over to your house on Sunday and you and your wife can have a date day? I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> so she rolls up with an SUV and she starts unloading all of these things. It's like she had the Arizona State Fair in her car. I mean, we, we nicknamed her Mary Poppins after this because she had so many things. I think she only came over four or five times, but it was such a blessing for us to have that space. And so maybe you're a grandparent, maybe you're single, maybe your kids are far away. Who is God putting in your heart that you can be Megan to or that you can be a Megan for, rather? There are people in this body who would love your influence, who would openly invite you into their lives or into their children's lives. And that's what being a church is all about. I want to teach my kids certain lessons before they leave off to college. And maybe you should have a, a conversation if you're parenting. You know, what's this look like when our kids age out and go to college? What are some of the top three or top five lessons that we want to teach our kids or disciple our kids in. And again, I don't want this message to be any judgment. If you have regrets, I just pray that, you know what, you could ask God to forgive you and that you would have the courage to forgive yourself because we all need grace. We're not perfect. And honestly, your kids don't expect you to be perfect either. And that's what's so great about this is because we have the opportunity to, to express and say, you know, I'm sorry. I blew it. Many times I've had to sit my kids down and be like, you know what, I should have not responded to you that way when you asked to play for video games or when you, you know, <laughs> didn't do your chore. God has given me grace, and I want to give you grace as well. So would you forgive, Daddy? I, I snapped at you too harshly. And what's beautiful about that is parents, now we've taught our kids how to apologize when they're in a spat. They just don't say, oh, sorry, oh, sorry. No, you got to say sorry and mean it and express it. And the other person has to forgive. And that's really, um, as I begin to share my top uh, seven things, um, I want to start with saying that prayer is really the key. Because you can get some general ideas and some, um, and some guide points on, on parenting from the Bible. But honestly, your best resource is the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is your comforter and our counselor. And I need his counsel to parent my children because what works for well with one, it's not going to work well with the other. And so we need the Holy Spirit saying, how can, I, how can I teach this kid? How can I love this kid? How can I disciple and parent them? And the Holy Spirit will give you ideas and he'll give you counsel. And so um, in starting with my tips, I want to preface it with saying this. <laughs> 
I'm preaching to myself up here as well. Like, I have not figured this whole thing out. Parenting books are always written by people who don't have kids or their kids are older. Have you noticed that? So I am in the thick of this, and I, I'm preaching to myself as well. But um, I love how Apostle Paul, he addressed certain churches because they had cultural issues that were going on, right? So for one church, he says, hey, look, I'm telling you this. For another church, he said this. So in the, in the context of American culture, we're going to bring up some things that we struggle with as well. So would you guys give me some grace with that? Thank you for your yes. Yes, that's so wonderful. Okay, so I actually got this first tip from Paul Greer. Um, and Paul is actually starting a little advertisement. In two weeks, he's starting a class called Teach My Hands to War, a spiritual warfare class. It's right during youth, so you can check it out and drop your kids off for youth and then go to that class. But he says, be consistent. And Susie and I really adopt this, so he, he re- reiterated it. But what that means is when your kids go to mom for something and they don't like the answer, they can't go to dad and get a different answer. Like, what mom said is how dad feels. And if you ask dad, it's what mom says. Does that make sense? So number one, here's the parenting tip. Be consistent. Number two is disciple your kids with the goal of creating wisdom in them, like a change of heart. Don't just parent them or disciple them for a change of behavior. And look at what Proverbs 29:15 says. It says, "To discipline a child produces wisdom." So our discipleship and our discipline should create wisdom in the person. It says, "But a mother is disgraced by an undisciplined child." So, tip 2, um, discipline your children with the goal of wisdom. Tip 3 is no secrets. No secrets. And so, again, I'm going to model being apologetic. Um, You'll see that my slides, it says seven parenting tips, but again, we start at number one. So I I ask for your grace in that. Google Slides didn't quite upload, or maybe it was an illustration. You'll never know. You'll never know. Um, No secrets. I like this one. So we have a policy where there's no secrets unless there's a timeline. So here's what I'm getting mom for Christmas. Keep it a secret or keep it a surprise. But come Christmas, there's no secret anymore. So there shouldn't be any secrets in your house that your kids should have or hold or anything unless there's a timeline attached. The next one, tip number two, um, is um, no put-downs. No put-downs. We want to create a safe place for our house. So they, they they should be safe. There's so much hardships and struggles and stress outside of the home, we should have a safe place. And so even parents in our words, Ephesians tells fathers in chapter 6, verse 4, fathers do not provoke your children to anger by the way that you treat them or by the words that you used to them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Again, we see that instruction should come from God. It should come from God. Um, The next one is spend time with your kids. Um, Time is needed. So here's something a little interesting. There was a study done in 2020 that said out of 1,000 families, on average, they spend five hours a week in face-to-face communication with their kids. Five hours a week. Now, there's another study by the American Academy of Child and Adolescence Psychiatry that says that Ages 8 to 12, on average, they spend 4 to 6 hours on screens and tablets every day. So we have 5 hours with parents a week, 
and four to six hours a day. So <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> How do we wrestle with that? that? That stat actually goes up higher with teenagers. It goes up to almost nine hours a day. So these screens and tablets and video games are something that as parents, we need to be intentional about spending time with and making memories with. Now here's a story. Um, <laughs> with my dad, um, I had so many wonderful memories with my biological dad. Um, he passed away when I was young, but there was a couple times that he would pull us out of school. And I remember the new Rocky movie came out, the Rocky Four. Do you remember the one with the Russian? Do you remember that one? I must break you. I don't even remember what it was about. But anyways, my memory is, is my dad took us out of school and we went to Rocky. And I just thought, this is so cool. Like, the way he connected to us was just awesome. And so there's been times where I'm like, Miles, we're going golfing today. And so I'll take Miles out golfing. Or there was one time when I took out Lily for um, a, a day with dad and we went to um, a Valentine's, you know, lunch thing. And then um, she was really into the Monopoly at the grocery store. Do they still do that here? Anyways, you have to buy like $500 worth of groceries and you get three coupons and I think we won a can of corn. So it was a great day. It was a great day. It was a great day. But spend time with your kids. Spend time with your kids. Um, I, uh, I know that parents will tell me, you know what, what matters most is my family. Like I do anything for my kids. I do anything for my family. And honestly, I believe that. And I know that's true. But I feel like there is sometimes a disconnect because of the amount of distraction the amount of responsibilities, the amount of stress that's poured on us. But there's something beautiful about separating yourself from family because you realize, like, wow, it becomes clear that family is so, so important. And so here's a shout-out. I'm going to play a little video, but this is military families who are coming home from serving. And I just am so blessed that they serve and make that awesome sacrifice. So roll this clip. It takes about a minute here, but you can see some of them... Um, seeing their families come home.
Lindsey Freeman. Amen. That's for moms. Give it up for all of our military. I love them. That's so great. I could watch that all day. The video is like 20 minutes long if you want to walk. Look it up online. So <laughs> you can continue to find. Um, here's the next tip. And this really hits home for a lot of us, including me. But we need to be proactive in protecting our kids against smartphones and the Internet. Um, I don't know about you, but sometimes my family looks like this. Um, we're just like all on our smartphones. And I hope, I hope your Thanksgivings don't look like this, but I really want to fight against us doing family like this. And here's some of the stats. It says <laughs> that on average, Americans check their phones 344 times a day. So that's like once every four minutes. So now there's something in our brain where like, as I'm speaking, you're like, oh, I got to go check my phone. Got to check my phone. <laughs> check my phone. Like, it's just like programmed into our society. Here's some other interesting stats about phones. 71% of Americans check their phones in their very first 10 minutes of waking up. So 10 minutes we start, and then on average, four minutes every, every time of the day. 70% of our uh, people check their phones if they get a notification. So like all the sales or new episodes on shows or this email comes, like we interrupt what we're doing, the conversations that we're having, to check our texts. Um, I think this stat is a little bit low. 61% use their phone on the toilet. What? Now that's a great place to use your phone, by the way. Like, is it? Who's who's my phone people? Nobody wants to admit it. Nobody. You're laughing, but you do it, right? <laughs> um, here's one: seventy percent of twelve-year-olds own a smartphone. Seventy percent. My wife asked our her fifth-grade class who ha who does not have a smartphone. It was just Miles out of a group of 30, 30 kids. They are tools. They will be around, but we need to check them. We need to supervise them, not because of the phone itself, but it can tap into the Internet that would really cause some problems. And this is another issue since COVID. COVID has really allowed screen time to shoot up. So here's one that's interesting. Ages 0 to 4, we're talking babies. Ages 0 to 4, their use on tablets has doubled now that... 26% spend four hours a day. Four hours a day. I don't, I don't know what to do with that step. Is it healthy? As a parent, you have, to, you have to pray about that. But I know that it's changing our generation, and we have influence. We have a responsibility living beyond Sunday. We can make a change in our generation. Just ask the Holy Spirit How? What's my responsibility in this? Because you have life lessons. You have, my kids will forever remember Megan. And there's people that will forever remember you when you open up your life to them. Maybe it's serving in, in youth or in a teen Bible study. I don't know what it looks like. Maybe it's just connecting with your neighborhood kids around. But I know that you have a chance to shape this next generation. This is, and, and I want to say this, like, this is a man-made problem, right? This is not me saying, hey, how can we get together to solve the, the Ukraine crisis? Or how can we get to, together to solve the budget problems that the military or the government's having? We can't deal with that. 
but we can take our devices out and we can turn them off. <laughs> we can leave them in the car when we go to a restaurant. Or you can say, you know what, I'm not going to check my phone when I'm on a date with my wife. I'm not going to do that. And here's one thing I do. Like, there's, there's screens everywhere in restaurants. So I'll sit in the screen, and I'm not going to be distracted by a football game over here. Like, <laughs> I'm here to, to meet with you. Like, don't let technology and screens rob you from the most important people in your life. Because they truly are the most important people in your life. Okay, now I'm going to show you a, an image. How do you feel about these things? A scorpion and a black widow, right? What if these were in your kids' bedroom, right? You saw a little scorpion on the wall? So many of you guys would be like, you know what, it's no big deal. We live in the desert. It's just so tiny. It's no big deal. It's God's creation, right? No, you'd be like, you live in the desert. Let me put you back into the desert. Or let me go end your life. Who's all my bug, who's my bug killers? Who's the ones that get called to kill the bugs? Yes. Ah. <laughs> Here's the things. When you introduce and when your kids are allowed to, to look at screens in their bedrooms, you're opening them up to people who want to cause harm to them. On average now, it's 11 years old that kids are introduced to pornographic images. So we have a, have a responsibility to learn what they're looking at, learn how to safeguard our kids from some of these things because you wouldn't let a scorpion in their room. We just need to have an extra care for how we deal with social media, well, how we deal with internet. I love this quote that I found on, for social media. It says, if you are not paying for the product, then you are the product. I don't like how that feels. <laughs> I don't get a bill from Facebook or Instagram a month. Does anybody get that bill? Maybe we are the product. Maybe they want our time and our attention. Like, I don't want my kids to be their product. I'm not okay with that. And so I need to safeguard my life and set even limits for me because I'm, I'm the example, right? I'm the example. Um, okay, I have one more. Um, this is really good. This is parent against sin. So when you're parenting, come alongside of your child and parent against sin. So I need a volunteer. Can somebody, one of you guys come up on stage real quick? Who's it going to be? Joey, come on up. Okay, so now pretend that Joey's my, chill, my, my kid, and I'd be honored if you were my kid. So um, I know this hasn't ever happened, but what if Joey cheated on a test? Oh, Joey, how did you cheat on that test? What were you thinking? You knew you were going to get caught. I can't believe you. You lied. You lied. So now I'm parenting against him, right? But we live in a fallen world. And you see how God graciously loved and came alongside Adam and Eve. And he, he took their nakedness and he gave them clothes, right? So now I realize that my battle is not against flesh and blood, blood but it's against the enemy. So now I'm going to be like, Joey, oh, oh, no. I'm so sorry. That's such a bummer. I know you wanted to get a good grade on that test, and now you're going to have to deal with the consequences. Oh, man, that's really going to hurt. That's going to be so bad. Now your teacher, you're going to have to deal with that. 
but you got caught, so now you have to deal with the consequences of that. And so now I'm parenting alongside of my child against sin. Does that make sense? So you're not against them, but you're against sin in their life. Thank you. Give it up for Joey. And just demonstrating grace to be like, man, there's been times in my life that I've messed up. And God's given me grace. So now I'm going to extend you grace. Because I want to discipline in a way that draws them closer to God. Does that make sense? I know I've given you a lot of information. Um, I want to close on this one passage. And if you're feeling overwhelmed, again, I just ask that God would give you insight in this. But Hebrews 12, 11 through 13 um, says, No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands. Maybe that's for you. Take a new grip. I know it's hard. I know these years are hard. I know they're challenging. But take a new grip and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fail but become strong. So as we close, the the band can come on up. But what is the Lord saying to you? What does marking out a straight path for your feet look like? What conversations might you need to have to parent? Or if you're single or you don't have kids, saying, God, I want to pray for this next generation. I want to be diligent, Lord. Put people in my path that I can treat like family. Um, I want to close with this. This was a poem, and it's entitled, God is with you. It says, he is with you in the morning when you struggle to get out of bed. He is with you when your children are being disrespectful. He is with you in the pain of parenting. He is with you in regrets you have. He is with you in the might-have-beens. He is with you in the what-ifs. He is with you. So my heart is that we had such an amazing night last night with the night of lament. The ladies just did a great job. And I, my heart is, is that you would say, God, I need need your grace. I need your forgiveness. But also that you'd accept grace in forgiving yourselves. Maybe your parenting story didn't go as planned. Maybe things didn't work out in your life as planned. But I know you're still here. That you have a great purpose in this time. Your prayers matter. Your words of encouragement, your cards, your texts, your notes to your kids, to your grandkids matter. So what is God asking you to do? And I'm just going to say, as, as the prayer team is up here, we're going to have people that will be at, at, at prayer um, here on stage. And I just encourage you, if you're maybe one of those people that says, I need wisdom to parent, if that's you, or if you're saying, you know, God's put somebody in my heart, I just invite you to stand right now. If you're saying, God, I need wisdom in parenting. I need wisdom to help me to be a big, big parent. If you could stand, or if you're saying, you know what, Lord, I, I, I sense that you're putting this person in my heart that I need to reach out to. I just want to pray for you. Let's go ahead and all stand as we, as we sing this last song. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, that you are the great, greatest parent, that you show us by your grace and you model love to us. So, Lord, I pray that you would give us insight on how to discipline our kids how to love our kids. And Lord, I pray that even if maybe we are 
feeling some changes, that we would accept your correction in our life. Maybe there's parameters that we need to put on our lives as well. But God, I pray that you would be the dominant force in our families, that you would be the dominant force in our lives, that as for me and my house, we will choose to serve the Lord. In Jesus' name.